tremendous crowd this morning. Thank you so much for uh, honoring mom and uh, honoring the Lord by being in church. You know, even though it's Mother's Day, let's not forget, uh, first and foremost, it's the Lord's Day. And uh, thank you so much for your faithfulness uh, this morning. And I do want to mention again, I mentioned it in Sunday school <coughs> during the brief uh, Sunday school assembly, but uh, heaven is a little bit sweeter this morning. Uh, about uh, a little bit after 9 o'clock, I guess, last night, I got uh, a phone call, a text that uh, said that Mrs. Juanita Cox went home to be with the Lord. And uh, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And we certainly rejoice with Mrs. Cox uh, because I know she, uh, uh, she, wanted to, she wanted to go home for a while. Uh, I spoke with her uh, briefly on Wednesday morning. The nurses were working with her, and, and uh, she was, uh, had uh, struggling a little bit even then. And she, uh, she looked at me right before I prayed with her and left. She said, Preacher, I just want to go home. And uh, she wasn't talking about home down here. She was talking about another home, and, uh, and last night she went home to be with the Lord, and uh, of course uh, our loss is heaven's gain, and uh, we do want to pray for her family, and uh, you know, no matter how uh, far down the road you see this coming, it doesn't make it any easier when it happens, and, uh, and so we want to be mindful to pray uh, for her family in a special way this morning, and uh, I, I, I'll be honest with you, I was talking to Ms. Neely during the... Uh, get acquainted time uh, a few moments ago, I said, you know what, she gets to spend Mother's Day in heaven. What a, what a thrill. And uh, she, didn't, she didn't count on that a few days ago, but uh, it worked out that way, and praise the Lord for it. Exodus chapter 2, let's stand together please for the reading of the Word of God. Exodus chapter number 2. The Bible says in verse number 1, <clears throat> it says, And there went a man of the house of Levi, and took to wife a daughter of Levi, and the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could no longer hide him, she took uh, for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein. And she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would, uh, what would be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along the river's side. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his sister to, uh, to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. What a beautiful story. Of course, we're familiar with it. You've, uh, if you grew up in church or are familiar with the passage, you know that it's talking about Moses there, who was the baby that was uh, saved from the wrath of Pharaoh's men. And, uh, and his mother took some extraordinary steps to make sure that he was okay. And the title of the sermon this morning is simply this, Moses' mother. Moses' mother. And let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for the privilege we have to be in church this morning on Mother's Day and on the Lord's Day. I pray that you'd uh, speak to our hearts during these few moments. Thank you for these uh, who've come. Thank you for the uh, mothers who make up our church family. I pray that you'd help us. Uh, help us to uh, set aside everything that would be a distraction in, uh, in these moments. And I pray that your spirit uh, would speak to us by thy word. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. By the way, I 
would be remiss if I didn't take a moment to thank all the folks who had a part in the ladies' tea yesterday. What a tremendous time that was enjoyed by uh, well over 130 ladies of our church and their guests. And I appreciate the organization that went into it and uh, my wife uh, spearheading that operation and all the ladies that jumped in and decorated tables. And, man, I walked in the gym yesterday morning. I didn't recognize the place. I thought, we actually play basketball in here? Are you kidding me? <clears throat> but, uh, man, it, was, it would look like high cotton in there. And I uh, appreciate all the ladies that uh, chipped in and, uh, and worked so diligently. I'm going to ask you to pay attention very carefully upstairs and down. There's some... There's some uh, young people in the balcony, and I won't, uh, I won't call your name just yet, but I could. And I'm going to ask you to behave yourself during church this morning. Obviously, we don't, uh, uh, it, it's, it's time for preaching now. It's time to listen. And, uh, and I, don't want, uh, I don't want to put a bad spirit in a service on Mother's Day specifically. <clears throat> but my mama raised me in church, and she said, son, when the preacher stands up, you listen. And when there's singing going on, you pay attention. And, uh, and so... Uh, and so that's as kind as I know how to say it. Amen. <clears throat> so I want you to sit up straight and I want you to pay attention for the next few moments as we honor the Lord through the preaching of his word. One of the greatest leaders of all time was Moses. Uh, no matter how you slice it, you look at the man Moses and you look at what God did through him and in him and for him for the children of Israel. And it is amazing what God used Moses to do. I mean, here's a man <clears throat> who couldn't even talk very clearly. When God called him at the burning bush, you know the story, uh, how that uh, he said, God, I, 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 I just, I can't, I, can't, I can't do this. He said, I'm, I'm a man of slow speech. I, I can't uh, lead your people out of Egypt and into the promised land because I can't talk. And he made all these excuses. And, you know, I'm glad that God looks beyond our excuses and he sees what our potential is. And, and, uh, but God called Moses there at the burning bush and Moses uh, acquiesced to what God was asking of him and he went back to Egypt and he appeared before Pharaoh and he said to Pharaoh, let my people go that they may go and serve me. And I'm, I'm coming on behalf of Jehovah God and, and uh, you know the contest with Pharaoh and all of that. And, uh, and so uh, you see Moses a little bit later on and we think of him as the, uh, the mighty leader who stood before Pharaoh and finally uh, after the plagues and all of what God allowed to happen there in Egypt, <coughs> Pharaoh sent the people out and then they come to the Red Sea. And, uh, and we think of Moses as the great leader who uh, turned around and saw Pharaoh's army uh, coming behind him and the Red Sea in front of him. And he goes to God and said, God, what are we going to do? God said, Moses, take that rod. Take the rod of God and stretch it out over the Red Sea. And he did so, and God parted the Red Sea miraculously. That's the Moses we think of. We think of the Moses who goes uh, to the top of Mount Sinai and receives the Ten Commandments and the Old Testament law. That's the Moses that we think of. We, uh, we think about the Moses who, uh, who faithfully prayed for his people. Uh, how many times do you read about God uh, wanting to destroy the children of Israel in the wilderness and uh, God would say to Moses, Moses, step aside. I'm going to get rid of all these people. They're a, a, a stiff-necked people. They're rebellious. They're, they're murmuring and they're complainers. And Moses, just step aside. I'm going to wipe them out. And how many times did Moses go to God on behalf of his people as the intercessor and say, wait a minute, God, you can't do that. You can't do that. I know you're God, but you can't do that. Because, God, if you wipe out those people, everybody back in Egypt is going to say, well, God must have just wanted his people out in the wilderness so he could kill them. And he would intercede. He would pray. He would go to God on behalf of those people. In fact, the Bible says that Moses spoke to God as a man speaketh to his friend. What a man. 
What an incredible uh, example. What a, what a great pattern for us as, as we are to pray for one another. And that's not the, the gist of the message, but Moses was a tremendous leader, a tremendous man. But before there was Moses the, uh, the receiver of the Ten Commandments, before there was Moses the intercessor for God's people, before there was Moses the one who stretched out his rod over the Red Sea, there was Moses the infant. There was Moses the baby. <coughs> There was Moses, the one who was born as a child uh, during a time when uh, Pharaoh commanded for all of the newborn baby boys to be slaughtered in Egypt. There was Moses who was born during that time to a woman named Jochebed. You say, preacher, I don't remember reading the name Jochebed in the passage that we read a moment ago. You're right, you didn't read that. Interestingly enough, Jochebed's name as Moses' mother does not appear until about six chapters later in the book of Exodus. She wasn't even mentioned uh, in, in that initial uh, dialogue or the, or the uh, monologue there in uh, Exodus chapter 2. But uh, neither, neither her nor uh, Moses' father, a man by the name of Amram. Uh, but as is the case with so many other great leaders, their character was formed by a mother who went above and beyond on behalf of her children. You see, before there was Moses the law recipient, before there was Moses the divider of the Red Sea, before there was Moses the intercessor for God's people, there was Moses the baby. There was Moses the child. There was Moses the one who needed to be trained. There was Moses the one who needed to be taught. There was Moses the one who needed to be brought up uh, and, and, and taught uh, righteousness and, uh, and, uh, and dignity and character and discipline. When we first read of Moses' parents, they're not mentioned by name. It's not until Exodus chapter 6 that we read Jochebed and Amram referred to by name. There was no royal lineage. There was no pedigree. There was no wealthy people. or They were not wealthy people as far as we know. They were just common people. Common people. Amram and Jochebed. Jochebed, Moses' mother. And to control the, the Hebrew population, as we just mentioned a moment ago, Pharaoh had ordered the killing of all the Hebrew boys, and no doubt there were hundreds of innocent children that were murdered by Pharaoh in an effort to hold down the Hebrew population because Pharaoh thought, you know, what if these Hebrews keep multiplying at the rate that they are? There's going to be more of them than Egyptians, and so we're going to lose our own power and our own land. And so he was trying to take some steps to, to, uh, to do that. But this morning, I want you to notice uh, some very special things about a very special woman that many times goes unnoticed in the Bible. We don't think about Jochebed when we think about Moses because we think about Moses' accomplishments. But may I remind all of us this morning that the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world? Amen. Ladies, I want you to leave here this morning with a renewed understanding of your importance as a godly wife and mother. I want you to walk away from this service. I want every uh, uh, young lady and every uh, uh, young mother and every middle-aged mother and every grandmother to walk away from the Lakecrest Baptist Church today understanding <clears throat> that your role is significant in, uh, in, in, in the, uh, the propagation of what we believe. We've got to have you. We've got to have your fervor for God. Ladies, we've got to have you with a renewed sense of your importance. All oh, the world wants to water down motherhood. The world, our society as a whole, wants to water down the importance of, of uh, the role of wife and mother, but God puts a very high priority on it. 
And I want you to see that this morning in the life of Jacobeb. Simply uh, some simple statements I want to make and some comments, and you'll see where we're headed. I want you to see number one about Jacobeb. She saw her child. She saw her child. Look at Exodus chapter 2 and verse number 2. The Bible says, And the woman conceived and bare a son, and when she saw him, that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. When she saw him, that he was a goodly child. The term Hebrew, uh, uh, the, 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 uh, the word or the Hebrew term that's translated goodly child in verse number 2 literally means divinely beautiful, or don't miss it, beautiful to God. Beautiful to God. I saw that. I, I wanted to shout. Beautiful to God. You've heard it said of some people <clears throat> that they have a face that only a mother could love. We won't ask for testimonies here, okay? <clears throat> He's got a face only a mother could love. But you know, the Bible says here about Moses, it says that he was a goodly child. He was uniquely beautiful. He was beautiful to God. I remember when when our first child was born, Timothy's here in the service this morning. He just got in late last night from, uh, uh, from college for the, for the summer, and we're glad to have him at home. Just wish he'd have gotten there a little sooner, amen? <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, uh, I remember when he was born, I remember that one of the first things I did as a brand-new daddy, and I don't know if you guys did this, but I'm just telling you what I did. <clears throat> I went, I, I, I held him, and uh, they, they had him wrapped up in that, uh, that hospital garb that, you know, it's the same color, it's the same design that all hospitals use. I guess it's a universal thing. You know, it's got the, anyway, you know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> but, uh, but I laid him down after I was accused of holding him like a football. I laid him down and I uncovered that, uh, I opened that little swaddling clothes stuff that they had him wrapped in or whatever. And I counted fingers and toes. I counted digits, Amen. And uh, I wanted to make sure they were all there, all right? <clears throat> and, uh, you know, I, I'd read some stories about these kids that were born with, you know, six or seven fingers on a hand or something like that. I just wanted to make sure that, you know, everything was right there as it should be. It wouldn't have changed anything. I loved them anyway. <clears throat> but I, I, don't ask me why I did that, but I remember vividly counting fingers and toes. And, uh, but the Bible, I thought about that when I read that verse. It said that, that Jacob had looked at Moses and she saw that he was a goodly child. Goodly child. He was beautiful to God is the Hebrew term there. You know, I believe that little statement means more than just his great physical appearance. I believe that like all God-fearing parents, Jochebed saw the potential of what Moses could be. And that's what I want to talk to you a little bit in this point this morning. Jochebed did not just see just a baby. She saw a baby full of potential. She saw a little, a little Moses there. She saw a little, a little boy who was born in, a, in a, uh, a very trying environment, a very tough time. He was, his life was being sought after by Pharaoh himself uh, because of, of, the, uh, of, of what was going on in that culture in that day. But I believe that Moses' mother indeed understood the concept that he was beautiful to God. Beautiful to God. There's no way she could know what God had planned for that little child, but I don't think that she was surprised by it either. <laughs> she went, hey, look, God give us some mothers who see your children not just as fathers. God give us some moms and dads here this morning. You see that little bundle of joy that God gave you, and as they grow older, oh, yes, there's negatives. There's negatives to everything in life. 
But as they grow up and as they mature, God give us uh, moms and dads who see our children, not just for what they are, but for what God wants them to be. You see, he wasn't just a baby to Jochebed. The Bible says that she saw him. She saw that he was a goodly child. She saw that he was beautiful to God. May I challenge all of us as parents to see, really see our kids on this Mother's Day. Don't just see the mess that they make. Amen, moms? <laughs> uh, don't just see the dirty room. Don't just see the disaster that your kids can become every now and then. Again, we could take testimony time if we, if we had the, the time to do it, but <clears throat> sorry, that's for another, another day. But, uh, but the truth of the matter is, if all you see is the negatives, if all you see are, is, is the downside, if all you see is the mess, if all you see is the bother, listen to me, you're going to sell your kids short. See them for what they could be. See them for the potential that they have. See them as God sees them. But hey, can I tell you how God sees them? The Bible says children are an heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the womb is his reward as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man. Hey, that's how God sees your children. He sees them as important. He sees them as designers, models. He sees them as, as, uh, as, as uh, arrows in the hand of a mighty man who can do incredible damage to the enemies of Christ. Hey, I'm simply saying... We need to see our kids for what they could become, what they could be. See their potential. See their value. Hey, see their faith. Nothing quite like the faith of a child, is it? See their faith and emulate that faith, that simple childlike faith. Hey, I'm simply saying, uh, Jochebed saw her child for what he could become. Then I want you to see not only this, not only did Jochebed see her child, but she sheltered her child. She sheltered her child. Look at verse number 2 with me again, if you will. Exodus chapter 2, verse number 2. It says, And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when, they, and when she saw that he was a goodly child, look, notice what it says, she hid him three months. <clears throat> she hid him three months. Knowing that Pharaoh's men would kill her baby if they found him, Moses' mother did what any mother here would do. I hope. She took steps to hide him. She hid him. Or if I may say, without doing any danger to the scriptures, she sheltered him. She sheltered him. What a great mom. What a wonderful example. Here's Jochebed, whose name doesn't even appear in this, in this particular passage of scripture. It's not even mentioned until later in the genealogy. But here's Jochebed, Moses' mother, and she knows the danger of what's going on around her. She knows that if the, the uh, Egyptian soldiers find her child, he's dead. And so she sheltered him. She hid him. In 2016, we need to have the good sense to provide a shelter for our own children. We put a roof over their head to protect them from the elements, and well, we should. Uh, we do our best to give them the security and the protection of a home, and we should. But why in the world would we not shelter them spiritually from elements that would destroy their lives? Did you ever think about that? Here's Jochebed, Moses' mother. She not only saw her child for what he could become, but she also sheltered him from things that would harm him, from people that would destroy him, from elements that would be detrimental to him. Hey, she did what any good mother would do. She hid him. God give us the good sense to hide our children, spiritually speaking. 
God give us the good sense to shelter. You say, preacher, you believe in sheltering your kids? You betcha. You betcha. Because there's, a, there's an enemy out there. In fact, the Bible says we have three enemies. The world, the flesh, and the devil. The world is no friend of grace. Satan has put in a bid for your child, mom and dad. Hey, we need to understand that. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, the Bible says, but against, uh, against powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places and principalities and so forth. Hey, I'm simply saying all of us as moms and dads need to wake up and understand somebody needs to shelter our kids from that which would destroy them. I mean, you wouldn't, <clears throat> if a storm comes up, you don't tell your kid to go outside and tough it out. <laughs> Thunderstorm comes up. Hey, Bob, Billy, Johnny, Susie, <laughs> how about spending the night outside tonight? But there's a storm out there. Ah, oh, it'll toughen you up. You'll be all right. <laughs> no, we don't do that. We shelter them. Why? Because we want to protect them. We want to keep them from harm. <clears throat> you know, we don't, uh, we, we, we don't send kids out on a busy highway to go play in the street. <laughs> You know, I, I can't tell you how many times I got in trouble for doing things that, uh, you know, and I thought my mom and dad were just trying to keep me from having fun, but the truth of the matter is they were trying to protect me. They were trying to save my bacon, amen? <laughs> and, uh, and sometimes I bristled at that, but they were just trying to protect me. Hey, I'm simply saying if we would go to great lengths to protect our, ch our children physically, and we ought to, then why should we not do the same thing for them spiritually? Protect them. Shelter them from things out in the world. The world is, is no friend of grace. Uh, Satan, the Bible says that Jesus looked at Peter one day and said, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Hey, Satan wants to sift our kids as wheat. Right. Satan wants to destroy. You know why? Because he sees their potential. We're not the only ones that should see the potential of our children, but hey, there's an enemy that knows what potential our children have, and he's out to destroy them. God give us the good common sense to protect them. Know what they're doing. Know where they are. Know who they're with. Know, uh, know what's going on in their lives. I'm simply saying, help us to protect them. I'm saying, let's give them the opportunity to grow up in an environment that points them to Christ, not pulls them away from Christ. That's what I mean by, say, sheltering. You know, some people say, Pastor, are you saying that we should prevent our kids from growing up? No, 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 no. no. I want our kids to grow up. Not too fast, but I want them to grow up. I want them to... I want them to have the advantages of a happy home that I've enjoyed. That's what I want for our children. I don't want to shelter them in the sense of, of uh, not letting them grow up or, you know, and, and those kind of things. But what I am saying is this. Let's give them an opportunity to grow up in an environment that points them to Jesus Christ. Not an environment that pulls them away from Christ. Some parents have the notion, well, you know, let, let, just let them experience life for themselves and let them experience the world for themselves. Hey, the world would pull them away from Christ. And as a, as a child of God, as a saved dad, I have a responsibility to my kids not to let that happen. I want you to, I want you to listen to this verse. We quote it often. Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 4, the Bible says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I'm afraid sometimes we hear that verse quoted or we'll read that verse and we just pass over it and don't even think about what it's saying. Don't miss it. And to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Let me give you a thought here. That verse tells us the kind of atmosphere in which our kids should be brought up. 
It tells us the atmosphere in which our kids ought to, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Hey, that sounds to me like God's for sheltering kids. Sounds to me like God's fully in favor of that. Don't miss it. That verse tells us the kind of atmosphere the kids should be brought up in. Sometimes we quote that verse and miss what it means. Hey, they ought to be brought up in a nurturing atmosphere. A nurturing atmosphere. An atmosphere that promotes their relationship with Jesus Christ. That's how we're to bring up our children. And if you want to call that sheltering, then so be it. But God said, I want you to understand that your, your responsibility, Dad, your responsibility, Mom, is to bring up those children in an atmosphere where Jesus Christ is exalted. Where the Bible is taught. Hey, bring them up in an atmosphere uh, and in a, in a nurturing environment where discipline and character are instilled in a child. Hey, that's what our country needs. That's what our homes need. Somebody to shelter our kids in the sense of bringing them along in an atmosphere that promotes Jesus Christ. She sheltered Moses. She uh, she saw her child. She sheltered her child. And then I want you to see uh, very quickly tonight, uh, this morning, <clears throat> she sacrificed for her child. She sacrificed for her child. I want you to put yourself in Jacobet's uh, position here for just a moment. <clears throat> she knew what the decree was from Pharaoh. She knew that that little boy's life was in danger because of what was going on around her. And so she hid him for as long as she could. For three months, she hid him in her home. And, uh, and you know how kids are. Man, they get a set of lungs on them real quick. And I can imagine, man, Moses got a little bit louder and a little bit louder. And by the way, this is a little bit ironic. Moses, the, the, the kid with the big set of lungs, he's the same kid that said to God a little bit later in life, I can't do that, I can't talk. <laughs> but uh, a little comical to me. But, uh, but here he is, as a three-month-old child, she, he got to the point where she could no longer hide him, and so she had to come up with a plan. And she thought about it, and she thought about it, and she thought about it. And, well, I, and I'm sure she, she spent sleepless nights about what she should do to help her child to, to make sure that he had every chance of survival. And she could no longer hide him in the house. That wasn't an option anymore. So the Bible says that she made a little ark, just a little basket. And she, she created that ark and she worked on it and she prepared it and she planned it and she provided for it and she worked to, uh, hard on it and she made sure that it was waterproof and and the day would come when she would place that little bundle of joy. The day would come when she would have to place Moses in a basket. Little Moses. And she would have to close that basket. Place that basket in the Nile River. And pray God's hand of protection on her little boy. But I want you to notice she sacrificed for him. That little boat didn't make itself. That little ark didn't come about just as a little, just a, you know, by happenstance. She had to work. She had to plan. She had to figure out a way to make it happen. God give us some mothers, once again, who'll sacrifice for their young people. Sacrifice for their kids. She planned his, uh, his, his rescue. She provided for his rescue. She did everything she could, and then she left it in the hands of the Lord. We'll, we'll pick up this theme again tonight and finish up the message, but I want you to see that Jochebed sacrificed. She sacrificed. What does it mean to sacrifice? What does it mean to lay down what you want in deference to something that's good for someone you love? 
That's exactly what Moses' mother did for him. She sacrificed for him. She went out on a limb for him. She put herself out for him. She, uh, I'm sure, uh, man, I'm sure she thought about it and thought about it. I'm sure this wasn't just something, some, some fly-by-night idea that she had. No, she had to, she, she, she diligently worked on this thing. She sacrificed. You know, I think about folks in our church, families in our church, and, and to go along with the theme of today, especially specifically mothers in our church who, who give so much for their children. I'm, I think about families in here, in here, and boy, financially, you sacrifice for your children, and you're glad to do so. How many times have I, have I seen my wife, <clears throat> she'll, uh, she'll dig into her pocketbook, and if she even gets a hint that our, our kids need something, and, and, uh, and boy, she'll do everything she can to make sure that that need is provided for, even if it means she does without something that she really wants. That's sacrifice. Every single one of us, even as adults, we can think about times when our mothers sacrificed for our well-being. God, give us mothers who sacrifice. Sacrifice. But as I think about sacrifice, and as we close out the message this morning, I can't help but think about the ultimate sacrifice. The ultimate sacrifice. You see, Moses' mother sacrificed for him. Jesus sacrificed for you. God sacrificed for you. What does it mean to sacrifice? It means to lay down something to gain something else. Sacrifice. <clears throat> what did Jesus lay down? Jesus laid down his life. He laid down his life. Hey, the Bible says, but God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God made the ultimate sacrifice. Oh, Jochebed, she's to be commended for the sacrifice that she made for a little boy. And I challenge all of you as mothers and fathers to sacrifice for your children and, and to, to do what you can to make sure that their needs are taken care of, not just physical needs, but spiritual needs and so forth. But wait a minute. When you start talking about sacrifice, you have to talk about the sacrifice that God made for us. 2,000 years ago, on Calvary's cross, the ultimate sacrifice was made. The Son of God, Jesus Christ, laid down his life so that I could go to heaven. What a wonderful thought. What a wonderful story. It doesn't get any better than that. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The death, burial, and resurrection. What was that? It was sacrifice. God sacrificed his only begotten son so that you and I could go to heaven. If you're here this morning, you may be here as a, as a guest. You may be here as a longtime member. But if you don't know Jesus Christ as your only hope for heaven. If you don't know Jesus Christ as, uh, as, uh, as your savior, then really... None of the rest of this matters. That's where it all begins. That's where it all begins. Hey, your mother sacrificed for you. That's a wonderful thing. Thank God for that. And, and many of you, you're sitting here this morning, and, uh, and your mother's gone on to be with the Lord. Your mother's gone on to her reward. And you sit there and you think about the sacrifice of your mother, and, and the emotions begin to well up inside of you for all that she did. And that's all fine and good and has its place. But wait a minute. If you don't know Jesus Christ, the ultimate sacrifice... All of your mother's sacrifice for you, pardon me for saying this, was for naught. Because the Bible says that there's a life after this one. There's a life after this one. What shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? You see, there's a place called heaven and a real place called hell. The Bible says that those who die without Christ, those who die without accessing the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, die and go to a place called hell. Well, we don't want that. 
I don't know that I have an enemy, but if I did, I wouldn't want that for my worst enemy. Why? Hell's a real place. It's a real place. There's a twofold challenge this morning. To those of you here this morning who are mothers, those of us who are parents, let's do what we can to see the good in our children. Hey, let's do everything we can to shelter our children. Let's sacrifice for our children. But then the other purpose this morning is this. If you don't know Christ as your own personal Savior, I challenge you, I admonish you, I beg you, I beg you to see this morning for yourself the sacrifice that Jesus made for you. I beg you to receive him as your Savior. I beg you to don't walk out these doors without knowing for sure that heaven is your home. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. You listen well this morning, and I commend you for that. But we're going to have what we call our time of invitation. It's a very simple time. In just a few moments after I pray, the, the organist and the pianist are going to play.